You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody and welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas thank you all for joining us and thank you to all of you who've been spreading the word about the podcast it is growing and growing and i have all of you out there to thank for this um and if you've got a story of your very own and would like to be a guest on the show i'd love to hear from you you can reach out to me via email at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and i'll get in touch with you and we'll uh, get you on the show that'll be great so um as always, I'm bringing you the best shows I know how to bring you. I'm finding these amazing people, and today is no exception. I have a wonderful author joining me, and her name is Becky Cook, and she's written a few books. Uh, Bigfoot Lives in Idaho, and Bigfoot Still Lives in Idaho, and a third book, which is Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho, and they are all three out there, and I was excited to reach out and find this person because I live in Idaho, <laughs> so and I love hearing about Bigfoot and uh, all of that, so I'm really excited to present today's guest, so I hope you all are ready because we're going in. Hey, Becky, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Oh, you know, it's exciting to me to live in Idaho. I I have to say that I'm a transplant. I, I started in Minnesota and lived most of my life in Minnesota, but in about the last seven years, I transplanted up here to northern Idaho, and it is some amazingly beautiful country, and of course, it looks like Bigfoot should live here. And I was really excited to see your books because that's just more affirmation that they really do. Yep. Yep. We, I've collected stories from all over Idaho 
more, I guess, from the, the southeast corner, just because that's where I'm at and where I keep running into people mm-hmm. who've seen them. But, um, yeah, I've got quite a few stories together. And that's really why. No, so I got to ask you, these mostly started as just incidental conversations, or how did you ever get on this path to start writing books about it? <laughs> it's actually kind of a cool story, kind mm-hmm. of involved. I'll give you the long version. If it's too long, you tell me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on the, the Choban Indian Reservation down by Fort Hall. My dad was a police officer with the Pocatello Police Department, but we lived on the reservation. Mm-hmm. I am not a native. No one in our family is a native. It just just happened. That's where we lived. And my dad is a very honest man with a um, great deal of integrity. Mm-hmm. And when the Indians would run into problems, they would call him um, because they trusted him. Uh-huh. So when weird things happened or odd things happened, he was usually the liaison officer that joined them from the Pocatello Police Department. Oh. So one night when I was about four, my dad was called out on this call. And um, I, I was asleep time he came back home. But um, a couple of days later, we were driving along and my dad pointed out this place. And he said to my mom, that's where that Bigfoot was. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Bigfoot, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, um, there was this Bigfoot that was out here in the middle of virtually nowhere. It was pretty rural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I heard this story. And what happened was um, this family lived in a single wide trailer, no phone. You know, this was, this was quite a few years ago. And, and people just didn't always have a phone, let alone a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And they were in watching TV or something, and and this Bigfoot came up and just started pounding on the side of the house and really shaking it. It was very angry. Oh, wow. They were kind of freaking out, and they waited until the Bigfoot went around the side of the house, and then they piled out as fast as they could, got in the car, and drove down to the police department and told them what had happened. And um, two police cars were sent out with several officers. By the time they got there, they couldn't see the Bigfoot, but the Bigfoot had actually dismantled the pump house and um, just in boards, pieces everywhere. And there was a bunch of footprints in the mud underneath. So they followed the footprints and ended up near this uh, lilac bush that was not too far from where we lived. (laughs) And they found this Bigfoot who was standing head and shoulders above and just yelling, just yelling at them. Wow. Well, the Indians have this philosophy, you don't bother them. Right. If they're not bothering you, you just let them go. So they backed off and it left. Wow. Years later. I mean, I, I, I collected a bunch of stories in between them just because it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that makes me unusual is that I'm one of the tallest women you will ever meet. Um, wow. I'm in the top 100 for the United States and the top 200 for the world. Wow. And I have big feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just seemed like one of those things, that, you know, it was, it was <laughs> a commonality, I guess, is why I followed that. But I would find these really amazing stories and I started writing them down even when I was a teenager. So, um, my younger brother was big into Boy Scouts and Mm -hmm. as he got into leadership and stuff, he'd trot me out and he's like, she has got some of the best Bigfoot stories you've ever heard. Tell them. (laughs) (laughs) So I would tell these stories that I had collected and it was just fun. 
it was just fun. And then um, my life changed back in 2012. It just kind of shifted a little bit and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with my life. And um, in the middle of the night, actually, I, 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 I said this prayer and I don't know if you all believe in, in prayer or not, but it sure. works for me. Yeah, absolutely. Pray this prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I needed some help. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was a single mom, bunch of kids, mm. didn't know what I was supposed to be doing to support them. And in the middle of the night, here came this this very clear picture of this book. And I thought, cool, I get to write this book. <laughs> and so I started um, interviewing a lot of people, and I went back and re-interviewed people that I'd talked to before. And um in the meantime, I found the rest of that story. I found I was interviewing this lady and I told her, you know, the only time I've actually heard of a Bigfoot being very angry was this time when I was a kid. And she said, oh, so you haven't heard the rest of that story. And mm -hmm. I said, no. <laughs> so she told me that when that all happened, when that went down, the guy who lived in the trailer had actually taken a pot shot at a juvenile Bigfoot as it was running across his property. He didn't need to kill it. He didn't need to scare it off. He just took a pot shot at it and he drew blood, oh. but it didn't put it down or anything. It just kept going. And two days later, this Bigfoot ends up at his house and shaking it down. And, <laughs> and I said, Oh, so that was the mom. Mm. <laughs> that was the mom came back to be really ticked. And I said, so whatever happened to that guy? And she said, he moved he, himself and his whole family out of the area because he just figured he was target after that. So, wow. so we left, but in the middle of all of this, um, I actually was making my living as an agricultural correspondent. And, oh. um, I, I interview people for a living. That's, I, I love it. Love, love doing it. So mm -hmm. way back, this is like 2003, 2004, I was writing for this agricultural paper and my editor said, it was coming on like October-ish. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want you to do a story on um, hunting and horseback. You know, and I, I think he was looking for something like, I got this cougar in the camp, you know, or something like that. Right. But instead, I, I came across this guy who'd had this run in with Bigfoot Oh wow! and he's telling me this story and I'm writing it down just as fast as I can go. <laughs> and I thought, this is stinking dang cool. And so I called my editor and I said, you'll never believe this, but this, <laughs> and I said, and there's no way we'll print this, but I, this is such a cool story. Yeah. So I told him what had happened. And and this guy was old, over 50. He was not drinking. He was completely sober. It happened in the middle of the night. He had a corroborating uh, witness. And um, it was just kind of cool. And my editor's like, yep, you're right. We'd never, we'll, we'll never print something like that. But it, cool story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I finished that. I was working on finishing that story. My editor calls back about an hour later and he says, you know what? <clears throat> I think we should put, I think we should use that story. Oh, cool. And I said, we don't, we don't usually print things like that. And he says, Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Let's run it for our Halloween edition. Mm. And then people can make up their mind whether this is like doo 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 stuff <laughs> or if it's real. Sure. And so, so we went ahead, I wrote it up and I, there was one or two little snippets of stuff that I put in there from some of the other stories I'd collected and, Put it all in, and then 
went to print. And the funny thing was, he went on vacation just after it went to print. And he was telling me, driving across South Dakota, and he was thinking, crap. I didn't have any solid news in the newspaper this week. <laughs> All I've got is that story of Becky's. Oh my gosh, I hope I don't get fired over that. <laughs> and he said he came back and we'd gone into second printing. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> so, cool. So the next year we did another one and then we did a, like a true ghost story too, which was a blast. Oh. Anyway, so I had these stories and just random people that I'd run into and Mm-hmm. It still wasn't something I was really collecting stories on, just for fun, just right. for fun. And and then when I started writing the books, it just seemed like I finished the first one. And as I go back, I just think, oh, man, I could have done a better job on this book. But mm-hmm. people kept saying, you got to write another book? Those are cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kind of just kept going. That's really it's cool. It's an addiction, I think. <laughs> yeah, but it's a cool one. And I'll tell you, there's there are so many people that are really clamoring for these stories and, and these these accounts. And maybe, you know, maybe it's because more people are out there that, that have had experiences or there I know that, you know, in the Bigfoot community there is just a ton of support, as I was talking to you earlier, it's, you know, it, it's by far uh, on the show. It's one of our uh, best topics. We get the most response, the most downloads for um, shows that we do about Bigfoot. So I think there's a huge community of support for that out there. Yeah, I, I part of it, I think, is because it's something that's unexplained. And yeah. it's it's interesting to me because there's people who who like, man, I want to see one. Mm. But yet they're really, really cautious and sometimes almost vicious to the people who claim to have seen them. And yeah. my my take on that, I, I, I even have members of my family like, oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Becky's seen a big foot. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know. I don't lie. Right. I've been that way my entire life. I don't lie and I don't fabricate stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can choose to believe whatever you want, but I know that I've seen them. I've seen them in multiple places. I've seen them with, with multiple people wow. and in places that I wouldn't think I would ever see one. And then there they are. <laughs> would you mind, Surprise. would you mind sharing some of those experiences? Sure. Um, the first time I found a footprint was actually when I was 15, 16, somewhere in there. And like I said, I've got great big feet. Mm-hmm. Um, in women's size, it would be a size 14 shoe. And, oh. But I <laughs> I have a hard time finding shoes. So they're yeah. sneakers or flip-flops or I go barefoot. Right. And um, I grew up way out. So after we moved from the reservation, we lived out really rural ranch. Mm-hmm. And our closest neighbors were about three three miles away. And mm-hmm. one day, the one neighbor said, hey, were you just down here? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> I said, what, what makes you think that? And they said, we found this Bigfoot print, this Bigfoot print <laughs> out off, off of the lava rock. And I just thought, people don't run around barefoot in the lava. It'll rip the heck out of you. Oh, yeah. And um, I said, I want to see this. So I take my little brother down who is six eight. Oh wow. His feet are size fifteen, sixteen, depending on the shoe. <laughs> Take him down there 
and she shows us where she'd she'd put this little red flag in the sagebrush so we could find it. And here's these two perfect footprints and a half print. And the two footprints, you could tell it was running because oh. they, they it had pushed off quite a bit with the toe. Mm-hmm. And the two footprints were about six feet apart. And then the the half print was another six feet ahead of that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, that is so cool. And, you know, this is the day and age before really um, we didn't have a camera, didn't have a cell phone. Sure. So it was just one of those, wow, you know, it's obviously much larger than my feet. My mm-hmm. feet are almost exactly 12 inches. And this one was about four inches longer than my feet and, and longer than my brother's also. And wow. I thought that was just it was just cool. Like where, why the heck would it be running around out on the lava barefoot? Right. And it had, it had rained about three days before when it was soft and had set right in. Like, I mean, it would have made a perfect cast if I'd known anything about that then it, sure. it really would have made a perfect cast because it was set deep into the mud Wow. and just clear and crisp, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was the first time I found a footprint, but um, actually the first one I actually saw didn't happen until 2000 and um, had taken my kids up uh, camping. And when we go camping, we read we read books. Oh. And I was reading my way through this series and the kids are just fascinated. Mm-hmm. And I'd get to the point where my voice was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was too tired to continue and then I'd send everybody to bed. Mm-hmm. So it was late, like 1130, maybe ish, and put everybody to bed. And, and uh, I'm laying in my own tent and uh, here's something out there. And I thought, oh, crap, I didn't I didn't pick up my vegetable peelings. That was really stupid because uh-huh. there's moose out there and there's bear out there. Right. And so I carefully unzipped the, the bottom of the zipper and I'm peeking out there. And what I see, I just don't understand. So there was this being out there, and it was bent over picking up the vegetable scraps. And its back was even with the top of the table. And it was crouched down um, almost like, well, I would say like a football player almost. Mm -hmm. What I saw was just brown with a silver sheen across the back. No. If you think about that, the only thing that really has a silver sheen down the back is a skunk or a badger. Right. Skunks are a lot smaller. Badger is bigger. But nothing's as big as that thing was bent over by the picnic table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said, what are you doing out there? (laughs) (laughs) Still can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And it put its left hand down. And went completely forward, just like a football player coming off point. Oh, just wow. straight forward. And then it started to run on two legs. Oh. And I just thought, what the heck was that? <laughs> um, I, I just couldn't even believe that I had seen something, you know? And the way our minds work, if you can't classify something, mm-hmm. you'll tend to just put it in a little box in your brain. Right. And every once in a while, you'll pull it out and look at it like a little batch of marbles and think, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have no clue. Put it back. 
you'll never <laughs> figure it out. And then, so it was like years later when I actually started seeing the footprints all the time. And, and then we actually saw them a couple of times that I actually remembered but I had seen them back in 2000 when we went camping that time. Wow. So anyway. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think that they're, they, they really are pretty well distributed out there in my opinion. And I have, I have no real basis for that other than a gut feeling. But when you look at the amount of reports that come in and the amount of people that claim to have experiences, you know, if, if only <laughs> half of them or, or a quarter of them are being honest, that still demonstrates a hell of a range of, of sightings uh, covering a lot of areas and states and, you know, uh, countries. And I don't know how many are out there, but I, I suspect that that number is growing. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in yeah well and as people as we're expanding our boundaries and you know yeah. cities start expanding right we're kind of encroaching on their area and um back when i wrote the first book I'd interviewed Dr. Meldrum because he and I actually worked in the same biology building for a while down at ISU. And, oh, nice. And I'd see his castings and I'd just think, cool, got to talk to him. So yes. when I when I talked to him, and I actually put this interview in the first book, um, what he said was that he, he thought that they stuck to the mountains. And um, the Indians had described how they, they thought that they came down to the lowlands where there was running water during the wintertime and hawthorn berries and things for them to eat. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking hawthorn berries is not going to keep a big body like that warmer even going, sure. you know. Yeah. So, But, I, you know, I, I respected what he said, so I just kind of set it aside. But... I've run into quite a few people who've seen the Bigfoot out in the middle of the desert where it's just sagebrush and broken rock. Wow. And um and they see them just as clear as can be, you know, you just can't 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 miss them. Yeah. So well, so they're out there. 
And that's the other thing, though, too. And and I've discussed this many times on my show. And Wes Germer and I were talking about it one time when we got together as well. But um, the idea that that really I think is so profound is that they really do thrive no matter where they are. If they're in mountains, they're doing just fine. If they're in if they're in deserts, they're fine. If they're in swamps or thick forest or or anything in between, so I really think that these things are the most adaptable creature on the face of our earth. You know, I mean, they just don't they don't have a problem to uh, you know make make a living no matter where they are. <laughs> yeah, I think they're better hunters than most of the hunters oh, yeah. around here that go out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, when you... One of my guy friends who's who's actually seen them multiple times, mm-hmm. he, he'll send me pictures of things that he finds and he's like, check this out. There's no way a cougar or even a big cat did this. Uh-huh. But his last one, he found a complete deer carcass stashed up in a tree 12 feet up oh my god and it was just woven into the uh, woven into the the wood and he said it was relatively fresh it had been it'd been maybe a day he said there ain't no way that deer jumped up there right yeah (laughs) and you know i i I gotta say that i i've never i i don't know a lot about cougars but i had never heard before of of the possibility that they would drag any prey up in a tree but i've heard that explanation given as i've seen pictures like that well it's probably a cougar well uh, i don't know i mean i'm sure they're strong (laughs) animals but you know they're I, i don't know it just doesn't seem plausible to me that they could lift up that much into a tree but you know those those photos are out there and and there's photos of skeletons up in the trees that you know i don't know it's just amazing the cash stayed there a little. Yeah, well, <laughs> most cats, they'll eat their fill and then they go sleep it off. Right. They're not really one to cash it. And yep. so the carcass stays there until a bear comes along or, you know, other right. scavenger will come through and eat it. Yes. So... And and they attempt it's, to bury it. I think yeah. you know. I don't think they leave them in trees. Yeah. I, I, my, that was my understanding is that they they they, they drag you know soil and and stuff over the top of it to try to disguise the scent and uh, to keep yeah. it uh, uh, off of the uh, any scavengers. But um, yeah, that it is just amazing to me. Uh, it, and and then when you hear people describe the physical things they have seen, like, you know, so many people are seeing them in the forest and they talk about it moved inhumanly fast and it was smooth. Like there wasn't an up and down motion. It was just this, you know, just the, like when you're watching, uh, for instance, like a cheetah running, well, their legs are an explosion, but like their heads are just totally still, uh, as they're rocking along. And that seems to be what the image I get when people are describing these Bigfoot running is that they're not going up and down. They're just going lateral and, and just full. And, and it's incredible, incredible. Yeah, Hmm. it is. Someone just the other day was describing that they'd seen this Bigfoot going through snow that was five or six feet deep and he didn't even slow it down. He said, just plowed right through it. (laughs) And I just thought, man, that's some musculature. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, 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 the the exactly the the force and the strength and and the the physical prowess that they have yeah i'm sure they're 
probably yeah. the most successful hunters. And, and I think they also probably hunt in groups. It sounds like they're, you know, where there's one, there's always more. And, and they seem to push deer to each other and, and to have strategies yeah. like, like, you know, th- that are well beyond like a wolf pack and, and the amount of uh, coordination they show. Um, so yeah. these, these things are just absolutely amazing. So, um, what are what is the most bizarre story that you've heard? Uh, I don't know if you could just put one in a nutshell like that. Or though, what's the story that that really out of all your stories that made your jaw just hit the desk? You know, there's been a bunch that have just been fun, and they just make me laugh. You know, oh, cool. because they just think they have sense of humor. Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear <laughs> and anything. Others just just. You know, just <laughs> some really strange ones. I, I was talking with one fella down on the Indian reservation. He's since passed away, so I I couldn't corroborate this. Mm-hmm. But he was saying he was out with some friends out hunting elk, and it was cold. They they um, they were all stacked behind this big bu- bunch of snow, watching this herd of elk come down the mountain. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, see this herd of elk, and then you see this this um, buck coming down behind him. He said, all of a sudden, buck put its head down and just ran behind this um, big boulder. Mm-hmm. And he said, then this black thing went sailing through the air. And he said, they're watching all this with their binoculars. And uh, and so they watch, and this, this elk started fighting this Bigfoot. Wow. And back and forth all over in, he, they said it, they're tearing up ground. They're ripping through trees and back and forth and back and forth. And then he said, there came a point in time where the Bigfoot just grabbed the elk antlers with his left hand mm-hmm. and reached over with his right hand and completely disemboweled it with his one hand Oh my God. from, from stem to stern, just Oh. disemboweled it, laid it out. And they're watching this and thinking, oh, my heck. And then <laughs> it ripped off the hindquarters uh-huh. and threw it over his shoulder, and off it went up the hill. Oh, my God. So they waited for a while, and they're like, whoa, crazy. <laughs> and I said, so what'd you do? And he said, well, we waited. We waited 15, 20 minutes. And then he said, then we hiked up to see what was left of the, <laughs> of the elk, because we're not going to waste the meat, you know? Right. And he, I said, so what did it look like? And he said, man, it was, the carcass was still warm and still steaming. And, and he said it had bite marks all over its neck Oh. that looked like if your little kid had bitten you, you know, just right. He said, bite marks all over its neck. And, and he said, that must've happened while they were rustling around. And mm. I just thought, man, that would be something else. Wow. <laughs> something did, else to just, see. just with its hand, it disemboweled it. It just like tore the, yeah. tore the, the hide and everything. And just, wow. Yep. It just, it, from the way you described it. And from what I see in my head, it's, he, he said it just reached underneath its gut Mm-hmm. in the back by its legs and then just pulled forward and just laid out its intestines and everything. Oh my God. Just disemboweled it. That is just And I, I just thought, man, that is something else. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I, you know, an elk, elk hide is plenty thick and, uh, strong. yeah. Yeah. They, and he said they took the hide home. They took the hide and the, the leftover meat and everything. They, they used everything else that was left, mm-hmm. but, 
That is just amazing. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff, you know, that, that when you realize what that would take, what does that mean? And, and you, you, it's still, it's hard to get an idea for how strong are they really, but that's, that's superhuman. I mean, you know, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so now you mentioned the, the funny stories. Uh, do you have, uh, one of those you can throw our way? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> no pressure. I mean, just anything you want to share. I could tell you one, but you, I don't know if you would believe it. I, oh, we believe just, everything. there was a bigfoot that kind of hung out around my house and we would find the footprints in the yard every time we watered we Mm -hmm. lived this is when we were living in a little teeny rural community way up in the middle of nowhere and my son found this footprint the very first time we we watered real deep and Mm -hmm. he's like mom you gotta see this you gotta see this and i came out and i was wearing my flip-flops (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, look at this footprint. And I kicked my foot, my flip flop out and measured from my heel forward. And, um, this particular print, the heel was down into the dirt about three or four inches. And then the toes were up on top, maybe just because the ground wasn't totally saturated, but just wet in one area. Sure. But you could see that this foot was like 17 inches long. Oh my God. You could see the toes and everything. And I just thought, man, that is so funky. It didn't scare me at all. I mean, because obviously they've lived there a lot longer than we have. Sure. Not not a big deal. And um, we would see things around, and my kids actually heard them speak one night about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Um, <laughs> my daughter said, Mom, there were two men outside the window last night. And I thought, what? <laughs> I mean, little teeny town. Nobody's out that late. Sure. No. <laughs> she says, no, mom, that's, they, they were talking and they said, well, what were they saying? And she said, I don't know. It was like, I could almost catch a word and then I couldn't quite understand it. And then, and then they just walked off and I thought, Hmm, that's interesting. You know, just, it is just kind of interesting. And so, um, it just happened. Oh, we, it, it kind of went back. I actually saw it late one night as I was coming home from, had to go to Utah for work, mm-hmm. came back about 1030 at night, something like that, get out of the car, stand up and stretch. And I heard what I thought I was like a hootie owl. Uh-huh. And I look over and this Bigfoot steps out from the middle of this tree and walks down the center of the road. So you could see him very clearly against the moonlight. And and I, I just thought that was just really cool. Just to, you know, hello. Yeah. <laughs> he walked. Right. And so he he would show up at random periods of time. And, and I mean, this may sound completely unbelievable, but it just made me laugh because he seemed to be a real good-natured dude. Yeah. <laughs> so well, no, I was I... down um, getting asparagus. Mm-hmm. Down the road. I mean, from where we lived, it was about another 10 miles down the road. And I was getting this asparagus and it was getting kind of hot. And, and I was going kind of in a crescent moon shape from start to finish around this patch and mm-hmm. picking asparagus out in the, in the lava rock. And <laughs> which is where you would not think the asparagus is. <laughs> anyway, I'm way out there. It's getting hot. My water was at the car. And I thought, I'm just going to cut through this dude's. Hayfield. Right. 
and I'm walking through the hay field, and I'm a farmer's daughter, and I've done a lot of hay, and you don't step in the rows because you'll knock the leaves off the hay, and mm-hmm. so I'm carefully stepping over these rows of hay, mm-hmm. and then I started noticing these footprints where someone had obviously not stepped over the rows <laughs> of hay, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I look up, and I can't see him. I, he was either too far away or whatever, but his footprints were just as clear as can be, uh-huh. and I'm just thinking... What the heck? <laughs> you come down to check out my asparagus patch? Because <laughs> people are really quiet about those things. You know, you don't tell people where your asparagus patch is. So like- it was just kind of funny. And then I got home and he just kind of did this little hoot owl thing. Just let me know. Yeah, I beat you home. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I'd, of course, I'd, you beat me home. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's cool. It was just kind of funny. It was just yeah. kind of one of those random funny things. And somebody could say, oh, yeah, you're delusional. And somebody else is out there. I'm like, hmm, do you realize a 17-inch foot, that's the size of Shaquille O'Neal's foot, size 22. Wow. I don't see Shaquille O'Neal running around barefoot <laughs> <laughs> out in the Idaho farm ground. Yeah, probably <laughs> just, not. Just so I can find his feet. okay everybody i think it's time we got to take a break so don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the paranormal portal podcast in just a couple minutes everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in yeah that is amazing um you know i i I believe that that stuff happens a lot i think that i i think for the most part i think that these things choose to just live around us and live i don't think that they're ever trying to start trouble i think that they're mostly just trying to just survive and and they they choose our absence but uh, i find it pretty pretty exciting actually that they and maybe a little unnerving that they do come in and and seem to be very interested in what we're doing and what we're yeah. up to because yeah. you know but then again uh if if they are as smart as we believe they are and they are certainly seem to be very curious I suppose, you know, we're probably the most exciting thing going on for most of them. And they just like to see what's, you know, I mean. Like, TV any day. Yeah. No, I, I've interviewed some some older Indian gals. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they've, they've talked about the multiple languages that the Bigfoot know. And, oh. and I said, like, Shoban, you know, because that's Shoshone and Bannock. That's not, people say it's a Shoban reservation. Yeah, but that's two tribes. There's mm. two different languages there. Okay. And this gal was saying, yeah, but she grew up on the Navajo reservation and they spoke Navajo to her. Wow. So uh, four different languages and English. Yeah. And, and because I, they've, I've heard of them speaking in English also. That to me is really exciting, but it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's also a little intimidating again, because there's plenty of people that <laughs> hardly know one language and, and <laughs> Then, yep. Yeah. So, so w- when you think about them, what do you think? Are they are they a smart or in our intelligence range? 
You know, I know that they live longer than us. Oh, and I think okay. that's because they eat a cleaner diet than we do. They okay. actually eat what they're supposed to. I know there's no Cheetos growing on bushes <laughs> out there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I know that they eat cleaner than we do. Mm. And um, from all indications, from what I've seen, they live longer than we do. Hmm. And they're pretty curious and they'll spend time around us. And, and that's why I just think if you're people used to say, well, you never see them. And I just thought, you know, if you are aware, you can tell when someone's been in your house when you've been gone. Sure. Yeah. And to me, it's the same thing as being in the woods. Yeah. Because they're very aware of the situation and they know when you're in. Yeah, they know where you're there. Right. You know, right. you can be yeah, as stupid as you want. But <laughs> but um. They know when you're there. You know, they know. <laughs> can I ask you what what is the what is the signs that you're seeing, or what would suggest that they are living longer than us, other than you know the fact that they have a clean diet? I, I find that really interesting and cool. <laughs> um, I actually had a friend who who actually spoke with them. Okay, and it was fascinating to me because, man, as a journalist, mm-hmm. I think the it would be so stinking cool yeah. to sit down and see if they had a historian. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear their stories like, wow. oh, yeah, there was this hunter who came in and mm-hmm. you know, right. from their aspect. I think that would be so cool. But a friend of mine actually asked this. He, they had this conversation and he let him know that he was over 100 years old in people time, you know. Oh. And there was another Indian that I I cannot remember what tribe they were from, but it was more central Idaho than anything. And they mentioned that they have stories in their people about the the times when the Bigfoot would come into into their community and um share what they were eating and then they would they would play with the bucks with oh. the young young boys. Uh-huh. And I, I just thought that was so cool. I, I wish is. I could find someone who'd actually participated in that, but they'd be pretty, pretty doggone old. Yeah. So. No, I think that's, you know, there are, I've heard um, First Nations histories that would suggest they've had trade with these beings, you know, that they've, yeah. they've conducted trade. So, I mean, there's got to be higher reasoning uh, going on here in intelligence. So, no, I, I think that the possibility of, of them having a dialogue to me seems plausible. Now, it doesn't seem, yeah. you know, I, I, it, in today's world, and it seems pretty uncommon, and maybe, uh, but there was, there was a story of some old lady who had befriended a clan of, of Bigfoot. And this is, uh, you know, apparently a, a, she was a, a white lady, but she was elderly. And uh, she had befriended the troop of Bigfoot. And allegedly, according to the story I heard, she could talk to them. And she knew their language, which consists of like clicks and, and you know, different sounds as well, along with clicking. But um, that they, uh, again, allegedly, I, I don't know anything substantial or to substantiate this, but allegedly she would, she would take care of the little ones while they would go out, the troop oh. would go out and hunt. And I thought that story was just amazing. And then, and I think mm-hmm. she, she's long since passed on now, but what an amazing experience, you know, if, the, if that is indeed yeah. true. And I, I think that with, a, with all of the disparate claims, from many different places of people having conversation or a relationship with them of some kind, 
Uh, it, it just definitely seems to suggest that there might be uh, a, a real kind and gentleness to them, uh, a peacefulness that they're not yeah. these, you know, these real uh, monstrous creatures that are, you know, terrorizing the woodlands. They're just living there, yeah. you know. And I, I think we as people, we're, we are very egotistical to assume that we're the smartest things out there. Right. And, and you know, I, I agree. I think they're a lot more peace-loving than most people take them for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll hear these stories where they're very aggressive, and people ask me what I think about that, and I just think, what were you doing out there? Right. I mean, you're telling your version of the story, but what were you doing? Right. Because because the only times I've heard of them being aggressive, somebody was doing something wrong. Right. And they were either in a position where it angered them or they were going to stop it. But there was a lady, um, I found this story after I moved off the reservation, but a gal who kind of grew up in the same area, her grandma lived about four miles straight west of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And she said she would talk to the Bigfoot all the time and they would stop by her house. And she said she was, she wanted to share that with her family, but her family was not listening. And, and this young lady said, you know, you know, sometimes when your grandparents talk and you're like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or, I'm more interested in my cell phone. I'm more interested yeah. in what? And she said, I just wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I said, what did she used to say? And she said, you know, the one thing that really stuck out is because it's because she remembered it so well when she was a kid. Um, her grandma lived in a dugout, basically a, a dugout there on the reservation. And um, as the kids got more prosperous, they wanted their mom to live in a nicer home. And so mm-hmm. their her sons built her a home with indoor plumbing and a nice stove and whatnot. Right. She wouldn't live in it. Oh. And they said, Mom, you know, this is for you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, there will come a time when our people need to learn to live off the land like we used to. And I don't want to give that up. And even though it meant that in the middle of the winter, she had to hike through the snow to use the facilities in the back, mm. you know? So, yeah. so one day um, she's still using a wood burning stove. Her kids went and got her a load of wood, brought it back and they just dropped it in the yard. And they said, now mom, don't you touch this. We'll be back tomorrow to stack it. Uh-huh. And they came back the next day and it was completely stacked, the whole thing. Wow. And they said, Mom, we told you not to touch this. And she <laughs> said, I didn't. They yeah. said, well, who did this? And she said, my friends. <laughs> they're like, who? Who? We want to thank them. And, and she said, it was the Bigfoot that came by. And of course, they're like, hey, you know, uh, maybe Mom's starting to lose it or whatever. But uh, one thing that this gal said, she said that... um in the middle of the winter, when her grandma started getting old, mm-hmm. the Bigfoot would actually come and, and clear a path from her back door to the latrine. Oh, wow. And she said that there was there was a couple of times when um, she would go over to visit her grandma, and off in the distance, there would be what looked like this little old woman walking away. And it was, she said, this, this older Bigfoot lady would come visit her grandma and apparently they were about the same age because this she was 
kind of stove up with some arthritis type stuff or whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. she'd fallen. I don't know. Sure. But she kind of had a hitch in her step and um, she said it was just really cool. And, and she says now having had her own experiences, mm-hmm. she said, I wish I could go back and yeah. talk to my grandma Aww. and ask her, now what do I do, mom? What, what do right. I, how do I talk to him? What right. do I do? Yeah. And she said, we've lost that connection. Just, yeah. just lost it. That's so tragic. So tragic. But uh, yeah, those old wisdoms are dying, you know, and that's that's why I think what you're doing is important in, in that you're cataloging these stories that would otherwise be forgotten and, and you know, be lost with the, the storytellers themselves. But I think yeah. any, anytime people are sharing this kind of stuff, and that's why I love the paranormal is that it, it teaches us a lot. There's a lot to learn from this stuff. And uh, I think these stories are absolutely beautiful. And uh, I, I, I'm so glad that you came on with me today and, and had this dialogue and had this discussion. And I hope you'll come back again because obviously we have a lot more ground to cover. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're willing, are you willing to come back? Yeah, that'd be fine. Well, we've got a couple minutes left uh, in the recording. I want to make sure that you have a chance to let people know where to find your books and how to stay in touch with you. Okay. We're just rolling out a new website, um, but you can still find us at www.bigfootlives.com. Mm-hmm. And just be patient because we are getting a new website that looks so pretty. It's just not <laughs> completely out yet. So if it only shows the two Bigfoot books, just talk and, and I'll send you the third book too. But um, I have kind of a partnership going on with um, Brandon uh, Tennant down at Sasquatch Prince, mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to roll out some fun things. Um, I, I know that the Bigfoot people love their swag, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, you know, people, you see the same clip art all the time, and it just drives sure. Brandon nuts. He yeah. He loves to draw, and he's drawn a lot of Bigfoot from you know, eyewitness accounts. So mm-hmm. we're actually putting together some t-shirts and some, some really fun, you know, vinyl for your car and just oh, fun things like that, that should be rolled out within just a couple more weeks. Awesome. So if you don't see something interesting, stop back by. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for being here and, and for talking with us. And yeah, we'll be in touch because uh, we've got more to talk about a lot more. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be sending you some emails here and we'll figure out when to get you back. But thank you again for being here. You're welcome. All thank right. you. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. 
Take care, everybody.